1: When you and I look at the life of Christ, what do we see? We see one who has been tempted by Satan with all of Satan's power, but yet he did not yield. That's
0: Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365.
1: They lived amid spiritual apathy and complacency. They had to navigate their way through heresy and false doctrines and religious apostasy. Is it possible to be an overcomer in those circumstances? Look... The message to the church at Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, and looking there at verse 7. Revelation 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who's speaking here? Who's speaking? Jesus Jesus through whom? John, yes, but what does the text say? He who has an ear, let him hear what the, the Spirit says to the churches. So the Spirit is speaking. If the Spirit speaks, do we listen? What do you say, church? The Spirit speaks. Do we listen? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To him who does what? Overcomes. That's the message to Ephesus. Now let your eyes drop down to verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the... Who's speaking? The Spirit. And when the Spirit speaks, what do we do? Listen. He who does what? Overcomes. Let your eyes drop down now to verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who does what? Overcomes. You think God has a message? Let's keep going. Now take your Bible, please, and turn. Let your eyes drop down now to verse 26. And he who does what? Overcomes. Revelation 3, verse 5, the message to the church at Sardis. Revelation 3, verse 5, he who does what? Overcomes. Revelation 3 and verse 12, he who does what? Overcomes. Revelation 3 and verse 21, what do you think that might say? To him who does what? Overcomes. Is it possible to overcome? I think it's impossible to overcome, don't you? The preacher was wrong, wasn't he? Seven times the Bible says to him that does what? Overcomes. Is it possible to overcome? Jesus witnessed in his life what a life was like that was totally committed to God. Jesus witnessed in his life what it was like when the Master touches his people again and the Spirit lives in their life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know what temptations the devil tries to trip you up on, but I know this. Jesus is stronger than all of that. You may be weak, but he's strong. You may be frail, but he is almighty. When we look at the book of Revelation, it is a revelation of Jesus. And what do we see in that book? We see first Christ, the faithful witness. The one who witnessed of his father's love and grace in a world of injustice. We see Christ the faithful witness. The one who witnessed that obedience in a sinful, polluted, rebellious world was possible. And looking to Jesus, His love breaks our hearts. Looking to Jesus, we are transformed by that grace. But our text goes on three phrases in Revelation 1 verse 5. First, Jesus is the faithful Witness, We look at the next expression in the text. He is first the faithful witness. We then look at Revelation 1 verse 5, and from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Now that's a little confusing, so I need to pause on the text, the word firstborn. You say, wait a minute, wasn't Moses resurrected from the dead? How could Jesus be the firstborn from the dead? Didn't Moses come down from heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration and appear to Jesus? Didn't Christ raise a number of people from the dead? How could Jesus be the firstborn from the dead when he himself raised people from the dead previously? Do you remember in the Bible where it talks about David as the firstborn son of Jesse? Was David the firstborn? What was David? The last or the seventh, Right. Yeah. So the term in the Bible, firstborn, does not relate to time, it relates to privilege. The firstborn son in the Old Testament was the one who had the privileges of the Father. He was the one that would receive the inheritance. He is the one that would have the glory and honor of the Father. So when Christ is resurrected from the dead... He has the privileges of divinity and reveals the glory of the Father. Now, let's look at that text. Let's look at what the text says. The text says that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. I think it's quiz time. You know, I've taught for so many years, seminary and others. It's quiz time. You ready for your quiz? Got your paper out? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Here's the question. You don't have to raise your hand. Answer in your mind. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Did the Father raise Jesus from the dead? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Did the Father raise him from the dead? Did the Son raise him from the dead? Did the Son raise himself with the life that was in him? Or did the Holy Spirit raise him? Alright, we're going to look. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Here we go. You ready to look at the text? Now don't confuse me now. John chapter 10. Here we go. John chapter 10. All right. John the 10th chapter. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Verse 17 and verse 18. You're looking there. This should settle it for us. I believe the Bible, don't you? John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I've received from the Father. So, was Jesus divine? Did he have the power to lay down his life? Could he take it up again? Sure. So, did Jesus raise himself from the dead because of the divinity within him? Sure. But but, but don't be so quick here now. Let's go. We're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're looking at verse 15. Here, Paul is saying that if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are false witnesses. But because he is risen, we're not false witnesses. So, he says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 15, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, that's if Christ is not risen. Because we have testified of God that he, God, raised up Christ. So, who does Paul say raised up Christ? God. God. He says, we have testified of God that He raised up Christ. But I thought you just told me that Jesus was raised up with the power within Himself. Well, we better go further then. Romans chapter 8. Now we're coming to this portion of the meal. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8 and verse 11. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Romans 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. So the Father raises Him by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all divine. So together, their power brings Christ out of the grave. Now what difference does that make for you and for me? The text says Christ is the faithful witness and He's the first begotten of the dead. Jesus takes on our worst fears and demolishes them. He takes on the ultimate enemy, death, and he defeats it. He takes on the grave and conquers it. He goes into the tomb and he comes out the other side. What's your worst fear? What is your worst fear? Is it that your daughter will be struck by a car, killed instantly? Is it that your husband's diagnosis of cancer is fatal? Is it that your grandchild's disease is incurable? Is it that your son in the military will never return home again? Now, for some, these fears become a reality. But here is the incredible good news every time Christ battled death, he won. Every time. For the Christian, death is merely a rest until the coming of Jesus. We have the glorious guarantee, the glorious guarantee, that the grave is already defeated in, by, and through Jesus Christ. He is the first begotten of the dead. You know, a number of months ago, when I had my diagnosis that we thought was multiple myeloma cancer that is incurable, Tini and I decided, as I've told this church congregation before, that we would attack this three ways. First, we would pray and seek God. Second, we would do everything medical science could do for us. And so the University of Maryland has been really helpful to me. I go every three months, six months, and God is so good to me that... Diagnosis is arrested. But thirdly, we decided that we would go to a health institute called UG and spend three weeks there with my world travel, my international travel. I knew that my immune system was down. I knew I was exhausted. And when we went there, there were probably about, I don't know, 15 other guests that would be spending this period of three weeks together. And You really bond with these people when you're together with them. About half of them were experiencing cancer about half of them some of them had tried everything else possible and they were there on their last resort others of them were coming at the beginning i was there because i wanted to take time every day a couple hours a day to exercise i wanted to be able to get hydrotherapy treatments i wanted to get a good diet and i just needed to be away for a few weeks and process so we went it was a tremendously wonderful experience for us Right across the hall from us was a young man, not young man, really, middle-aged fellow. You know, when you're 69 like I am, everybody under 69 looks young. But anyway.
0: Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. You can grow in your knowledge of God's Word by enrolling in online courses by Pastor Mark Finley. Go to Hope Lives 365 Bible study.com. That's Hope Lives 365 Bible study.com. When you go there, you will find wonderful courses such as Bible prophecy, discipleship, leadership, or improving your health. These courses are especially designed to help you discover deeper insights into the Bible. Go to Hope Lives 365 Bible Study dot com. That's Hope Lives 365 Bible Study dot com. Or call right now to register 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673. 888 244 HOPE. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley.
1: Dick was across the hall, and Dick came to Yuchi Pines Institute in advanced stages of cancer. And so when you eat with these folk that are experiencing, because we'd eat together every day in the dining room, and there was a business executive from New York City that works for one of the foreign governments and she was coming because of breast cancer there was Ewald the businessman from Connecticut but who moved down to Alabama and he was coming because he was in advanced stages of cancer and some of them came to get their pain reduced and others came because they really thought they might get a cure and so I kind of bonded with Dick and when I saw him, he was in so much pain and his cancer had metastasized that he just couldn't even walk up the hall. I mean, this guy was in a lot of pain and I'd put my arm around him and he'd have this walker and I knew he was really suffering a great deal and they were trying to give him some hydrotherapy treatments, trying to reduce that pain. Well, one day, Dick's room was empty and I heard from the physicians that he had to be rushed to the hospital. I really felt bad. I really felt bad about it and I said to Tina, you know, He's right across the hall from us, and I should have ministered to him more. I mean, I should have been in there more, and this guy is gone, and he may die in the hospital tonight. So Tini and I got by the side of our bed, we knelt down. We said, Lord, just help Dick live. Well, the next morning, he was back, and I said to Tini, I need to go see him. So I came into his room and sat on his bed, and he was in his bed, and I said, Dick, don't even try to get up. And I just put my hands on his feet, were under the sheet, and I just put my hand on his feet, and I said, I just wanted to talk to you. So we began to talk about Jesus. We began to talk about his love, his goodness. And I began to talk about the fact that death was a small thing. That if he died, that Jesus could resurrect him from the dead. And we talked about the power of Christ, the victory over the tomb, and so forth. And then I said to him, Dick, I want to play you a song. And I had just the night before listened to a song called, Then Came the Morning. And I want to read you the verses of the song. And I began to read them to Dick. And Dick began to cry. I mean, hear this grown man, Middle Ages. The song is called Then Came the Morning. And it's a song about Christ's resurrection and the sorrow that the disciples faced when Christ died. And there's one line that I just kept repeating to Dick over and over again. Now imagine it. I'm sitting in this hospital sanitarium room. Dick is lying on his bed. He doesn't have much time to live, and he knows it. And I began to play this song to him, and he just sat there, tears running down his face. And here are the words. Now, picture Christ crucified. They all walked away with nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, but now he was dead. So this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what it seemed. Now he was dead and gone. The garden, the jail, the hammer, the nail. How could night be so long? Then came the morning. Death had lost and life had won. The morning had come. The morning had come. The song goes on and the line that struck me and struck Dick was this. Then came the morning. Night turned to day. The stone was rolled away. Hope rose with dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won. Then came the morning. I embraced Dick. I looked in his eyes and I said, Dick, when Christ was resurrected from the dead, death had lost and life had won. We are alive in Jesus Christ. He is not lying in a tomb. I remember one night I was preaching in the Kremlin, right after the fall of communism. Six thousand five hundred people were coming to session after session. And I had just been into Lenin's tomb, there in the front of the Kremlin in Lenin Square, and I looked through the glass case of the embalmed lifeless body of Lenin. And I stood there in the Kremlin where Andropov spoke and Khrushchev had spoken and where the great Soviet leaders and Gorbachev had spoken and there in the Kremlin I said to that audience Lenin is in his tomb but Christ is alive he's resurrected from the dead the audience could not restrain themselves they stood and began to applaud because they knew that because Christ was alive they could live too have you lost a husband or wife a son or a daughter a dear friend in death, a colleague, Jesus Christ is alive. Who is Christ? He is the faithful witness. He reveals the Father's love. He shares with us through the Father. We can obey. Who is this Christ? He is the glorious Jesus who is in the sanctuary above, who is resurrected from the dead and will resurrect His people when He comes again. But there's one more thing, Revelation The first chapter, the fifth verse, who is this Jesus? Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And we look there at the fifth verse. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the fifth verse, Revelation 1. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who is this Jesus? He is the one who has the whole world in his hand. He is the King of Kings. He is the Christ who will one day with His Father reign over all the kings of the earth. Have you ever participated in or heard Handel's Messiah sung? How many of you ever heard Handel's Messiah sung? You know that great Hallelujah Chorus? It builds to that great crescendo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King of what? Kings. Lord of Lords. Do you know where Handel got the inspiration for the Messiah? Here's the story. The year is 1741. George Frederick Handel is discouraged. He has just had a mini stroke. He's paralyzed on one side. His creditors are breathing down his neck to take everything that he has. He thinks he can never write again. And as he does, he begins to meditate on the book of Revelation. And there are three passages that encourage his heart. Now let's turn to those three passages. Revelation 11, verse 15. Now if you know the words to the Messiah, that oratorio, the Messiah, I want you to think of them in the light of these three passages that so inspired George Hendel. He was disheartened by his tragic experience. He almost despaired for a brief time. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever and ever. Do you remember that from the Messiah? Now look, Revelation 19, verse 6. Revelation 19 and verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the sound of the great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunder, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He reigns. And what is He? Verse 16. And He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written. What is that name? King of kings and Lord of lords. As Hendo read those words from the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit inspired him. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ. Hallelujah, the Lord our God reigns. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no greater joy, no greater hope, no greater assurance than Jesus Christ, the King of kings, has triumphed over the principles of evil. Here is the incredible good news that you can walk out of this church with today. You and I are on the winning side. Christ witnesses of God's love. He reveals God's grace. God is not a vindictive wrath or a tyrant. In Jesus we see His love. In a world filled with temptation, you and I can be overcomers through the power of the living Christ. Jesus is the witness. We need not fear death. It is a small thing for the Christian. Because Christ has triumphed over the grave. He is alive and we can live too. He reigns. Hallelujah. He reigns. King of kings. Lord of lords. He has triumphed over the powers of hell. He's victorious. Although evil seems strong. Although wickedness seems great. Although sin seems powerful. The faithful and true witness. The firstborn from the dead, the resurrected Christ, the ruler over the kings of the earth, the true king of kings is truly, really coming again. Christ reigns. He's triumphed over the principles of hell. Christ reigns. He's defeated Satan in his life and in his death. Christ reigns. He is the resurrected Lord. And one day he is coming again. That's why we are the church of living hope. Let's pray. Oh, Father, in a world that's so confused, in a world that's so filled with injustice, in a world that's torn apart with strife and conflict, in a world that the character of God has been defamed and the name of God has been distorted, we look at Jesus and we see in Him one of kindness, compassion, and love. We're charmed by Christ. We fall at his feet to sing with the angels in the universe, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain, to receive glory and honor and riches forever. And, Father, there are times that our worst fears overwhelm us. There are times that we think the pain in our body may be cancer. There are times we cry over the phone calls of family members. There are times that our hearts are broken over the death of somebody that we care about. And that's all natural. But we look this morning away from that to the resurrection of Christ. The one that triumphed over the powers of hell. The one that gives us assurance that we can live again in him. That just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together participated in the resurrection that the father has not forgotten our loved ones the son has not forgotten them the spirit has not forgotten them and you've not forgotten us either and order as we think of this phrase king of kings lord of lords ruler over the kings of the earth oh father today our hearts so rejoice that this world is not in the hands of human beings it's in the hands of god we rejoice that one day you'll come again One day we can live with you throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. One day there will be no more sickness or suffering or heartache or sorrow or death. So we leave this church this morning with hope filling our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us. As we continue to present Christ centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical, relevant ways. Visit the website Hope Lives 365.com to find out more about Pastor Mark Finley at Hope Lives 365. Call 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673 or visit Hope Lives 365.com. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.